So I'm going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. I'm going to be reading the entire chapter, which is only six verses. This one is one of the shortest chapters in Isaiah. And the reason why it's its own chapter is it's a beautiful song. It's a psalm. It's a psalm of praise. And what's so powerful about this psalm, the song of praise, is Isaiah, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is proclaiming, prophesying, lifting up the Word of God. And he takes the people of God back to Moses right after the crossing of the Red Sea and ties that into how God saves every sinner who comes to life in Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful song of praise. So I'm going to be reading Isaiah chapter 12. You can find us on page 687 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. Isaiah chapter 12, starting at verse 1. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known among the nations what He has done, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Father, we pray that you, you would guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would know your truth and be transformed and renewed of heart and mind. Father, we thank you that your word is, is authoritative, that it is inerrant and inspired and all-sufficient. So, Father, we pray that you would give us discernment and that your word would rightly be lifted up and proclaimed in this time. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Amen. As we've been going through Isaiah, you have this back and forth between God and his people. You have where God makes very clear that his people, the people of Judah and the people of Israel, that the people of God, that the descendants of Abraham, 
that the people who received the covenants, the promises, the laws, the prophets, the people to whom God made from one man and woman, and the woman being barren, that God makes a people. He's given them everything. And they rebelled against him. They turned away from him. They went chasing after idols, and they lived in disobedience. So we've been going back and forth through Isaiah, where God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and lays out in stark, clear terms the disobedience of the people. And in stark, clear terms, God's righteous judgment that he's going to bring on his people. And we, some of these passages, as we went through from Isaiah chapter 1-1 to now, have been terrifying and horror-filled of what God's going to do to Jerusalem through Babylon. The walls are going to be torn down. The people, so many of them are going to be slaughtered. And those who remain will be taken into captivity. And there'll be just a remnant who will be preserved. So in the midst of this, you have God's clear, holy, just wrath and judgment. And then you get the most beautiful, gracious statements of salvation. It's amazing. And you get this back and forth, back and forth, where the people are shown to be so disobedient, yet God will bring a Savior. And as we looked just in the chapter just before this, chapter 11 of Isaiah, verse 1, it gives this promise, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Remember, the people have been so disobedient that God's uh, judgment will be depicted as God using Babylon, ultimately he's going to use the Assyrians and then use Babylon. He's using these different nations to come and chop down the people of God like this tall, mighty tree. And he's going to chop them down and they are going to fall. And great will be the fall of it. And all that remains is this dead stump. Yet from this stump, God will do what the people could not do in and of themselves. He will bring a Savior. And the Savior will be His Son, Jesus Christ. So we just saw that in chapter 11. A shoot will come up from this stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And then here's the key in verse 2 of chapter 11. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So you have this working of God the Father who's going to send God the Son, and he's going to use God the Holy Spirit to make his people alive and believe. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, and here it is in Isaiah chapter 11. 
So the response of Isaiah chapter 12 is just this glorious song of praise. Isaiah just, just, just lifts up this song. And what's a powerful again is Isaiah here is prophesying. And what does he prophesy? Scripture. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he prophesies Scripture. He takes us back to Exodus. And he joins in song with Moses and says the same song that Moses sang, that Isaiah sings, will be sung in the new heaven and new earth. It's the same song. And what is the song? That the saints will sing forever and ever and ever. It is, the Lord is my salvation. He is my strength. In him I will trust He's my everything. That's the song. That's the song. So when we see this here in verse 1, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to the Lord. Now here's this, this issue in Isaiah. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away. that you might comfort me. So that's verse 1. So that's this big, that's the mystery of the Old Testament. How? Why? Does this happen for the people of God? God says it will happen. So we trust him. We trust his promises. But how? How is it that God, who is just, the wages of sin is death, as Deuteronomy laid out, if you break the law, you will be cursed, you will be judged. How can God turn his anger away and be forgiving and gracious and merciful? How? That's the mystery woven throughout. The Apostle Paul refers to it as the mystery. Several different times he talks about this mystery being revealed in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the how. How it is that God can turn away his anger and bring forgiveness rather than judgment. It's Jesus Christ. So that's what this this song of praise weaves together for us in the most beautiful way. So first, in verse 2, we're going to come back to verse 1, but let us start in verse 2. It says this in verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. So now where where do we first find that? State song? Well, it's in Exodus. Exodus chapter 15. So if we go back to Exodus chapter 15, you see where this takes place. You go to to verse 1 of Exodus 15, and it says this. And this is a scene just after, just after the people are looking. The Red Sea is here, and they are trapped down in this bottleneck. And there's the Red Sea. And behind them is Pharaoh's army. 
with their chariots rolling and their, their swords and their spears out. And they are coming to slaughter the people of Israel. To exact their vengeance and their anger on the people of Israel. So they are coming charging down and the people look at the Red Sea and they look at Pharaoh's army and they look at Moses and they grumble. They don't believe. And Moses says, listen. He prays to God. God says, go, stand there, lift up your staff and the sea parts. And they go through as of on dry land, dry ground with walls of water on both sides. And they go through and the people of Israel get safely to the other side. But then they look back and who comes charging into the sea? Pharaoh's army, chariots, wheels turning, spears out, swords ready to slaughter the people of Israel. And God closes the sea. And Pharaoh's army is drowned. They're destroyed. And the people break out in song because they've been saved. They've been saved. So this is Exodus 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Verse 2. And here's verse 2 of Exodus 15 is the same exact as verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 12. So here's where God is prophesying through Isaiah and this song is being sung again. Verse 2 of Exodus 15, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So there's the direct quote that Isaiah is quoting from. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So this is powerful. Because, as I've been saying, and throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has been laying out God's just judgment against the rebellion and immorality of the people of God. And yet, Isaiah here points them back and says the same God who graciously saved the people of Israel from Pharaoh's army is the same God who will save you now, you who will trust and believe and have faith in Him. He will save you. It doesn't matter how strong or how great or how mighty your enemies are. He will save you. And then you have this other dynamic. It also doesn't matter how sinful you have been. How rebellious or disobedient. Because remember, Isaiah has been making clear what Paul says in Romans 3. For all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. God will save his people. He will save his elect. Those to whom Christ died for, those to whom will be made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be made alive and you will be saved. So how is this? How is this that this song that was sung by Moses is sung by Isaiah And how is it that we can sing the same song? Well, there's these two important passages of Scripture that help weave this together in the Old Testament that we see are foundational for Isaiah chapter 12. The first one is Deuteronomy 30. Oh, Deuteronomy. Hallelujah. You got to get into Deuteronomy. If you want to know Isaiah, hey, if you want to know the gospel, you want to know the scriptures, I encourage you to get into Deuteronomy. Walk through it. So Deuteronomy 30, here you have this key aspect. Now, this is the question that we're faced in Isaiah 12. How is it that God, who is justly anger, would turn his anger away and be gracious and merciful? How is this? How can that happen? So Deuteronomy 30. Starting at verse 1. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, and with all your heart, and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So what what is what must take place is his people must love him with all their heart and with all their soul. But again, what has Isaiah made clear? No one has done this. And no one can do this in their own strength and ability, in their will and their ways. So you have to go down to verse 6. How is it that this will take place? And it's verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Okay, God is going to do a work. His people must love him with all their heart and soul, but they can't because of sin. So what's God promised to do here? He's going to give you a new heart. He's going to give you a new mind. He's going to make you alive. That's what this is. Verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That's what takes place. And that's what this song of praise in Isaiah 12, that's what he's singing about. 
that ultimately God will turn his anger away because he will make his people alive. He will give them a new heart and he will put his spirit within them so that they will know that he is their salvation. It's a beautiful, beautiful statement. The next, the next section of scripture that ties this in is Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel 39. Because as we see in Isaiah 12, the issue here is in verse 1, Isaiah is giving thanks because though God was angry with him, rightfully, justfully angry, God would turn his anger away and comfort and forgive and love. So we see that we need new hearts and new minds. So how does this take place? Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel 39. So if you look at Ezekiel 39, and you start in verses 23, start at verse 23, you see that parallel to though you were angry with me in Isaiah 12. So Ezekiel 39, verse 23. And the nation shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they dealt so treacherously with me that I hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their adversaries, and they fell by the sword. Verse 24, I dealt with them according to their uncleanliness, and their transgressions, and hid my face from them. So when Isaiah, in chapter 12, verse 1, says, though you were angry with me, that anger was due to their iniquity, due to their rebellion, and as Ezekiel captures it, a way to understand that anger is God just turns his face away. And we've seen that throughout Isaiah, where God says, I'm not going to listen to your prayers anymore. This is a bunch of hypocrisy. Your sacrifices mean nothing to me because it's not from a sincere heart of faith. And God says, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to turn my face from you. That's what Ezekiel is talking about here. And this is that though you were angry with me. But look at verse 25. There's the transition. This is the same transition in verse 1 of 12. Verse 25, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy. There's the word. Remember what mercy is? Mercy is when God does not give you what you have worked so hard to earn. And what has Isaiah been making clear? And what has the Bible been making clear? Each and every one of us, from the moment of conception and from the moment of birth, have worked hard and diligently with great concentration and focus in immorality and wickedness. And we have worked so hard, we all earn eternal conscious torment. We all have earned hell through our industrious 
sinning. Does everyone understand what it means to be an industrious sinner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God is gracious to us. So then God has mercy, meaning though we have earned his judgment, he is not going to give us what we have earned. Instead, he's going to give us what his son, Jesus Christ, had all along. Righteousness. Righteousness. This is the mercy. The fortunes of Jacob have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. So again, how does this take place? Verse 29. And I will not hide my face anymore from them. That's everything right there. That's everything. God won't hide his face from you anymore if you're in Jesus Christ. He looks at you as his beloved child. He loves you. You've been adopted into his family. You are precious in his sight. That's everything. So verse 29, I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit. There it is. Upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. So it's that pouring out of his spirit that makes his people alive, that gives them new hearts and new minds and takes them from death to life so that now they can know God and praise God and be alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and sing the song of Isaiah chapter 12. And that's why in verse 2, again, that's why it goes back to Moses and the song of Moses, because it's the key song of liberation, of being set free and saved by God. The good news is in Jesus Christ, the mystery has been revealed. The mystery has been revealed. We no longer have to ask how it is that God goes from judgment to mercy for his people. The mystery has been revealed. And what is the revelation of the mystery? The death of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ. That is how God becomes our salvation. And we have forgiveness and grace. This is what the Apostle Paul weaves together for us in Romans. If you look at Romans 1, 2, and 3, you see this woven together. You see where the Spirit is, is, is directing and, and, and presenting the reality, the revelation of this mystery. If you start in Romans 1, you see the Apostle Paul, and he's just eager to preach. Oh, he just... The gospel is everything. So Paul, every opportunity to lift up this gospel. So Romans 1, 15. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the, and here's this pointing back to this song. It is the power of God for salvation. It's the gospel. To everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that's how we're able to sing the song of praise of Isaiah 12 is because of what God has done in his son Jesus Christ on the cross and how the Holy Spirit has given us the gift of faith. So we can join all of God's people of all time and all place in singing this song. If you go then to the next chapter, Romans 12, it addresses this issue of circumcision of the heart, which Deuteronomy speaks of, Deuteronomy 30. Romans 2, verse 28, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew, and the use of the word Jew here is, but a person of God, but the elect, those who would be in Christ, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Here it is. By the Spirit. There it is. There's Deuteronomy 30 and Ezekiel 39 woven together in one verse. There it is. By the Spirit, not by the letter. And that's why in then Romans 3, you have verses, start at verse 29. For, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So the mystery is revealed. And this is how we today can sing Isaiah 12 and lift up these truths knowing how it is that God can turn his anger away and be merciful and comfort us. Though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive in his son Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we can sing, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song. What's so focused in this psalm is this. We can't save ourselves. We can't do anything to contribute to our salvation. We are absolutely helpless and hopeless in doing anything to even desire to save ourselves. That's what this psalm is so beautiful about. God is my strength. God is my salvation. He's done everything. I could and would do nothing. And that's why this song is all about giving thanks. That's how it starts in verse 1. You will say in that day, I will give thanks. And then again in verse 4, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. When we understand the gospel that's captured in God's word and that's lifted up here in Isaiah 12, we realize that, that our whole life becomes a life of gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done 
and what He continues to do and what He will do. That's everything. And that's where in the middle of this you have verse 3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. What a beautiful image. What a beautiful image. With joy. This is what this gratitude and thanksgiving does into us. We understand these, these wells. And let me tell you, the wells of salvation in God, this well is bottomless. It is infinite. You will never exhaust this well. From eternity upon eternity upon eternity with God in the new heaven and new earth for eternity to eternity, it will be as if you have just begun to drink of that well. Of a peace that is beyond our comprehension. Of a joy that is unspeakable. Of the glory of God. So that's my hope and encouragement. If anyone here is thirsty and you feel dry and you feel broken, if anyone here feels hopeless, if you don't know the love and peace of Jesus Christ, if you don't know love and peace at all, (laughs) go to the well! Drink of Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Because He's the living water. He's the only source of our life, of love, of peace and joy. And this is why we sing this song. And that's why Isaiah here says, sing this song to every nation. Oh, every nation. So you mean to tell me this God isn't just God of the Jews? Ah, he is the God of every tribe, nation, language, and he has a people of every tribe, nation, language, and people. God is God, and Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's ultimately the song that is sung by Moses at the Red Sea is sung here by Isaiah is the song that we see sang in Revelation. So if you turn to Revelation 7, see how the song just keeps going on? Ah, it just keeps being sung. Sing this song. Sing it forever and ever. So here it is, Revelation 7. Here you go, Revelation 7. This is the song. It's just going to keep. And you know what's good about this song? You're never going to get tired of it. You're never going to get tired. For eternity upon eternity upon eternity, you will sing the song that my God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid for God is my strength and my song. And you we will sing that and live that and know that for eternity. And it will just be all the more wonderful all the more 
great. So here it is, Revelation 7. We see the song will continue. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Again, how is it that God can turn his anger away and show us grace and mercy is because we have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever and ever. And you just keep singing. Amen. So be it. So that's my hope and prayer. Is that everyone here would know the truth of this song. That you would know that God is your salvation and your strength. That he has become merciful and gracious to you in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that you will sing this song. And you'll sing it not only in private, but you'll sing it everywhere you go. And you'll sing the song with the desire that everyone within hearing of you singing this song, that God would give them a new heart and a new mind. And he would pour his spirit on them so that they would sing along. And join in the song of songs for eternity. This is the number one hit. This is it. Let us sing this song. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We shout. And sing for joy. Because you are our salvation. We trust in you. You comfort us. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to keep drawing from the bottomless well of our salvation in you. Oh Lord, help us, remind us, that you are the only one who can quench our thirst and who can appease our hunger. Father, we pray that you help us to eat and drink of your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit and to trust and believe in him. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.